Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Russ Taylor, joined by just one of the boys today, Matt. And Matt, I feel like, and we're going to say this a lot over the next two episodes that we record, I'm going to go ahead and give everybody a little spoiler now. Uh, the Switch is having a really good start to this year, bro. Like, a really, really good start to this year. Uh, we're talking about Octopath Traveler 2. Matt, uh, did you play the first one? I know I didn't. Did you play the first one? So I did buy the first one. Um, I bought it digitally, and I probably put roughly about three to four hours into it, shamefully, because <laughs> after after revisit after you know going to the sequel, I just remember why I got it in the first place is because I love these old school RPGs. Octopath mm-hmm. Traveler is like a love letter to like the old school RPGs that we played back on the uh, on this you know Super Nintendo original PlayStation turn based b- beautiful. Like these graphics, I I just can't ever get over this art style that they chose with this series. Like the developers here could not have could not have done any better than what you know what they what they've given us. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think that, and this has been something that the early reviews of this game. I I feel like this is something that was unfairly held against this game, and I think me and you both agreed this was stupid. That. Everything in this game is done better than the first one, but for some reason it got lower scores because people said that, oh, the art style or the graphic style, it was more fresh. It was new when the first one came out. I don't know if you think that's as stupid as I think it is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's absolutely absurd that that's caused, because the first one was getting like nines, and this game got got sevens because of that. Yeah. And I think that's absurd, but we're not gonna we're not gonna hamper on why IGN is is a shit bag ass review company today. We're not gonna hamper <laughs> on that a little bit. Instead, we'll uh, let's let's get into the game. So obviously, you mentioned it. This is about as old school JRPG as old school JRPGs get, and and it, unapologetically so. This is one of those that if you're not a fan of that kind of game, uh, this is probably this game's not probably not gonna change your mind. You're 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 probably not gonna love this game if you're not a big fan of that. But Matt, as, as as someone that I feel like me and you, especially in this podcast, we've played a lot of these kinds of games, especially recently. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like this game checks all of the all of the boxes of a fantastic JRPG, and I think it all starts with the characters. I love how diverse this cast of characters is, and I think that it's impossible to choose a wrong one to start with because all of their stories are so unique. I know you started with Throne, right? Yes. Yes. Because you started with her, I, I and I love her backstory. And then I started with Ochet, the hunter, and I really love her backstory. Uh, tell me, Matt, if you had not picked Throne A, now that you've met a lot of the characters, if not, you've met all the characters at this point, right? Um, all but one. God, what one have you not met yet? Um, however you say her name, I'm probably going to butcher this. Um, Ochet? Oh, so you haven't met the one that I started with. <laughs> that's funny oh shoot dude i feel like you'd love her story man i'm disappointed to hear that you haven't met her yet she's also badass in, in combat she's awesome but uh tell me if you had not picked throne who would you have picked if you if not for throne so after experiencing the majority of the characters um uh, beginning chapters i think that the one that i really like the most is um hikari okay um, so he is basically a, a samurai type character. Um, he is like his chapter basically begins with the introduction of him and his friends. And there's this war going on between two opposing sides and the side that he fights for. Um, they you're, pr- you're pretty much running straight into the battle and then you end up, you know, 
beating beating the other side, you end up meeting your brother, you're introduced to your brother, who you find out is just this total jackass, and he's all about, you know, wanting power and wanting to be this warlord. He take okay, so he wants to take over after their father passes. Akari is more like, you know, he wants to make peace between, you know, all of the opposing sides. Like he he doesn't want there to be any more war. He he's a really caring person who, you know, wants to find middle ground and because, you know, he, he's tired of war. He, he's tired of seeing, you know, people die and over, over, over nothing. And one thing that I like about when you get to the end of his story in chapter one is a little bit of time will pass. You know, the, the, the two friends that he has, you'll end up coming across one of them. And he turns out to be a traitor. And the final the final boss fight within his chapter is you're, you're fighting your friend. And I think it really resonates really well with like a lot of a lot of stories that you see in this type of genre. But they really hit the nail on the head here, especially with the combat. Like it was very tense. Um, I think that this is a one fight that I actually died more than like one time. I died quite a bit in this game. I'm not going to cap. <laughs> I died quite a bit. <laughs> But no, I agree. I think that the stories, man, they're so interesting. Like, you know, I look at Ochette because she's the character I've spent the most time with. Her her story, and again, it's a lot of these feel very like rooted in in like they're very grounded. Like Throne's story, I feel like it's very grounded. She's trying to earn her freedom out of what this basically this assassin group or this mercenary group that she works for, and to do so, she has to kill the two people that are in charge. I believe that's the basic gist of her origin. Uh, and she ends up losing pretty much all of her friends in the process in her first chapter. Spoiler alert, if you haven't fucking played that. Um, if you haven't played that, I don't know what to tell you at this point. But I think hers, I think Temenos, I believe I pronounced that right. I think his his origin is really good. It's basically a murder mystery. Yeah, It's like basically, yeah. you know, it's basically, it's, it's essentially, you know, his mentor has been murdered and he's trying to solve the murder. Dude, it's funny because a lot of these are rooted in reality. And then you have Ochette who is this, like, beastling hunter that lives on this island, and <laughs> her group is led by, I think it's a, a, a big-ass lion that can talk, named Master Juva. And when your village gets attacked, he essentially tells you, you know, these creatures that are attacking that are, you know, essentially going to make hell for this island that, you know, could very much destroy everything that they've built... It's it's this thing. It's called I believe it's the Night of of the Scarlet Moon, which just sounds badass. I want to say that first. That just sounds awesome. You end up having to set out set out to find like these three really powerful beings that are that are said to be able to stop this. So it's funny to me how all of the ones, all of the other ones in the game, all the other stories. It's very interesting how like seven of them are very rooted and grounded and are very believable, and one of them is just completely bizarre and out there. But I kind of love that because it was a really, really fun origin to play through when I, when I first got there. Uh, Matt, the combat. I'm not going to lie, man. I, I, I have never been a huge fan of turn-based combat, but my God, this game finds a, way, finds a way to make that fresh. And I almost can't believe that it did. did because, you know, turn-based combat, I think that a lot of people would say they hate it. I've heard a lot of people say that, and then they turn around and Pokemon is one of their favorite franchises. Yeah, which Pokemon is literally all turn-based combat. It's just, it's just you know the fact that there was a popular anime and card game when we were kids that went with it. Um, talk about the combat though, Matt. I love how unique all of these characters feel. Yep, same. Um, one thing that I love, and this is going back to the original 
is how each enemy type will have its like specific weakness. So each enemy, when you start the combat, they'll have a shield number. So basically, a shield number could be about a two or a four. Now, you have to find the right weapon type in order to break a shield down by a number. So, for example, if, a, if an enemy has a shield number two, um, and you use an attack that it is weak against, you'll end up breaking it after you get that number down to zero. So, one thing that I really love, and this is coming back from the first game as well, is the ability to, each time you take a turn and you do not use the boost ability you have this little meter that goes up. So eventually, once mm -hmm. that meter goes all the way up, you are able to use your boost up to, f I believe, four or five times. And basically, consecutively attack that many times and end up breaking your uh, enemy shield without taking too much damage. Um, now, we'll say, in the beginning when I was playing the demo on Throne A side, once I actually got out into the wild area, I was getting my ass kicked because I didn't properly comprehend the battle system. But once I got it down it became a walk in the park as, as at least with minor enemies. Cause these bosses don't play around, not even in the first chapter. Um, but what I think that I really liked is how each character's chapter, the enemy type that you're going to encounter, you, you'll automatically, you know, have, you know what they're weak to. So that definitely made no matter what character you chose, it made it like, you know, a lot easier to understand and it wasn't too complicated. And then I like all the different, you know, types here with swords, axes. Uh, some characters have magic. Definitely make sure that you have a healer on the team because you're going to be healing a lot, especially during boss fights. Uh, you got spears. You got bone arrows. There's, there's just a lot of variety here. And I definitely will recommend that as you're exploring, definitely keep an eye on finding chests because you can... Uh, they have the job system here. So if there is a character that you have that does not have like a specific weapon type, but you want to give them like that, you know, a different weapon type, you can change what their job title is, which will allow mm -hmm. them to have more variety in what they can use in their attacks. I will say the moment I got Oswald, I think it's his name. Is it Oswald or Osvaldo? I couldn't remember. I think uh, it's just it's Oswald. Like Oswald. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just that. Yeah, I didn't think there was a no at the end. Uh, I hope not. Shit. You, can you tell I've been busy and haven't been able to play this game as much as I've wanted to? Can you tell? Anyways, <laughs> uh, he was a real game changer, I thought, when I got him into my party. Because one thing I loved, especially when it came to combat, his ability, if it was an enemy type that you were not very familiar with, his ability to kind of pick out what they're weak against. Oh, yeah. So that way you're able to kind of more plan. Instead of just having to attack and kind of guess, you're able to just kind of go about it and actually be a little bit smarter and not waste moves. Because as you mentioned, you get into the wild, Matt, some of these battles get pretty tough. So if you end up wasting a move or two, that could be the difference in you winning or losing. Whereas, you know, you add a character like Oswald in where he's able to, again, is able to kind of study the enemy in the battle and is able to figure out what they're weak against. And you can do it until you have all of their weaknesses picked up. Or you can just wait, or you can just find one or two of them and you can just go go to town with that. But, but I, I think that this game, again, for turn-based combat, a, a concept that has been around in games for so long... For it to feel as fresh and unique as it does in this game, I feel like that's a real achievement. That's a really, really good achievement. So, Matt, let's talk about just the story a little bit, because obviously the story is a little bit complicated because it's really eight stories in one. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. One thing can definitely be said. You cannot get mad at anybody for paying $60 for this game because 
good God, you get your money's worth out of it. It, it. This is a game that, you know, a lot of JRPGs love to say, oh, well, this game's, you know, going to take you 100 hours, 150 hours to beat. Uh, this is one where they're telling the truth. <laughs> this is the, the one where they are telling the truth. Uh, what's been the most intriguing storyline that you've come across so far? Because, again, I feel like there's something about each of them that is so unique and so interesting that it makes it impossible to not want to explore every bit of every story. So I think that this isn't the most far out there storyline, but there's a character that you come across named um, Part- Particio. Yes. What I liked about it is the beginning of his chapter. It's, you know, it's him as a kid and he is basically learning how to, I think we uh, gain the ability to haggle. <laughs> like when you go to a shop, but you want cheaper prices. Yes. Um, so the way his story is, is, you know, he's a kid and he's, you know, he's learning his, um, his father, they're, they're trying, they, they find this area, which is great for mining ore, which is like the big thing that they're centered around. Um, and they end up, you know, they end up finding the ore mining it. Uh, and they start creating their, 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 their town in, in this area. And over time, you know, Particio, he's, he's getting older. Um, one thing I thought was really cool is that you end up coming across this band of like, I wouldn't necessarily say they're enemies, but they're not good guys. They're basically people in the town, but they're like, they completely disagree with like your father and all that. So you end up getting like a group of like townspeople and like miners and you uh, end up fighting them. But eventually like your father gets sick. So once you get to the the, the point where, you know, Patricia's story really begins, your father is sick. Um, there's this guy who basically has taken over all the percentages of all the ore that's being mined. He's, you know, uh, because there was a contract that was made between uh, Patricio's father and his, one of his 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 best friend, um, mm-hmm. and in that contract it said that at some point the man that uh, created the contract that you know they signed with at any point in time he could take over whenever he wanted, and that's exactly what happened. So Patricio and his his family was becoming poor. His father was sick; he couldn't take care of him. Um, you know, but eventually they, you know, enough is enough. So they end up going to go find the guy. They, they still don't know who he is. It's all a mystery at this point. And you end up fighting like, um, someone who works under him, which is the same guy who was, who, who you fought, um, previously. And then you end up finding that the big twist is that your father's best friend is the guy who, you know, is, is, is the guy who sold like all that stuff over to that guy. The, you know the big the big bad of Patricia's story, and it's it's like it's a little bit more realistic than the, the most of them, but basically, your whole thing is you, you are trying to find him, and, and and take him down so you get you get you know the the full percentage back and you know your your father, and and you no longer are living in poverty. And I noticed something around on the map. Patricia's big thing is in some of the areas that you go to is. His biggest enemy, and I remember joking about this, is poverty. Like he, he, he does not. He does not. Want <laughs> I feel that, bro. I feel that. <laughs> it's very realistic if you, when you think about it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, no, I love it again. Like a, a lot, so many of the stories feel very rooted in reality. They don't feel too like grand, or at least when you put them on, you know, the scale of a typical JRPG. Again, I go back to like Temenos, for example. His whole story is, you know, the pontiff that he works under 
is, you know, he finds him dead one night in, I believe, in the cathedral that, you know, he works at in uh, near Flame Church. And, you know, it looks like just some beast happened to get in and just killed him. But then all of a sudden, upon looking at, like, the crime scene, quote-unquote, upon looking around, they find clues, him and uh, another character, I believe his name was Crick, they, they look around and they find clues that maybe there was foul play. Maybe this beast was lured here by somebody and maybe this wasn't just, you know, oh, a random act. Maybe it was, you know, 100% murder. So there's that. There's Throne's, you know, quest of she wants to escape this mercenary group she's tied down to. But to do so, she's got to kill the two people that are in charge who are very creepily called mother and father. I'll let that one kind of just sit there. That is very, very odd. That 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 was that was that was 100% weird. But again, these these stories, man, they're all just so good. And this is a game that I feel like if you love JRPGs, you could go back to this over and over and over again. Um, so Matt, we we heaped a lot of praise on this game. What what are some things that you feel maybe could have been done better? Because I I, I I've got like some small critiques, but outside of that, I, I I really think this is a good game. What what were some things that you feel could have been handled better when it came to this game? So I'll say that when you have a cast as big as this game, which is a total of eight main party members, um, I would like it if they actually made their stories connect a little bit more. I have had a moment with Throne where um, I had I had a, a, a quest that coincided that makes with uh, Temenos, and it wasn't all that impactful to Throne's main story. And honestly, it didn't have any anything to do with Temenos' story either. So I think that, like, and, and that is how they handled this, is they just have certain characters will have quests together. But the main endgame type story here, it does not really tie into each other. So, like, regardless, like, you can pretty much go without you know, taking one of the other characters in your party. Like, you could pretty much... I mean, I wouldn't suggest you to get your butt kicked if you don't yeah. have an actual party. The thing um, is, you can literally take the character you pick and you can just about play exactly. the entire game without them, yeah. Exactly, because when I I started off with Throne and I eventually found Temenos, which was a godsend because I finally had a healer, I was struggling out there because I just had to keep using my plums and eventually running out. I was like, bro, I don't even want to go in the wild anymore. <laughs> like, I can't heal. I, I should have started with someone who could heal. But, yeah, when you have, like I said, when you have a cast this big, I wish that they had found a way for them to actually impact one another. Yeah. And that's really my complaint. Yeah, and, and, I, and I feel that. Like, it does, all the stories do feel kind of disjointed. I think it's a really good way of putting it. Like, they don't feel like they connect. They kind of just feel like, you know... It's like you said, you pretty much could pick your origin character and go through the entire game with just them. Now, again, you're going to get your ass handed to you over and over if you choose to do that because the, the game is relatively challenging, all things considered. Um, I, I would say that there were some things in terms of kind of just the menu interface that were a little rough. Like it, it felt like it was a little bit of a chore to get to the map and get through the menus and all that over and over again. Just felt like that could have been a little bit smoother. Uh, it doesn't help also that the game pretty much, I don't want to say it takes a full, like, from software approach to, you know, here's your next objective or not really telling you what your next objective is. It tells you what your next objective is. It's very hard on the, uh, the kind of the mini map that you have. It's hard to kind of figure out where you need to go. Yeah. And, I did have that on, problem. 
on top of all that, I'll give you a great example for Ochet. For Ochet's chapter two, I found out that I was horrifically underleveled. <laughs> and it took me like it took me again like two to three hours of searching just to figure out where to go for chapter two. And then I got there and found out that I was horrifically underleveled. So it was one of those where okay, I had to leave. I went and I found like two or three more characters and I could probably go and you know, it would it wouldn't be nearly as difficult if I had done that the first time. Yeah. The first time, I I was like, okay, clearly I'm doing something fucking wrong. Clearly I'm not supposed to be here yet. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, if the game, again, had kind of given you a little bit more indication of, hey, here's what your suggested level should be. And it does kind of do that. There's obviously the power levels that each area has, and that kind of tells you. But when an area's power level, quote-unquote, is like 15 and my character was level 17, I don't feel like that level 17 character should just be getting destroyed. Like, I I feel like that character should have a very, very fair chance of surviving. But, again, for a game that, you know, we have really, really heaped a lot of praise on, those are really the only criticisms I have. I've loved playing this game. This is... This is up there with Fire Emblem Engage is one of my favorite games that is, you know, on the Switch. I know that obviously Octopath Traveler 2 is on other systems. It's on PlayStation. It's on PC. I'm pretty sure it is at least. But I have always looked at Octopath as more of a Switch first kind of game. I've always thought of it as more of a Switch. It's closer to being a Switch first party title than it is not, in my opinion. So I think Octopath Traveler 2 is a fantastic game. I'd give it probably a 9 out of 10 at this point. Really, really, and that's a really damn good score. Uh, and it's again, it's up there with you know, Fire Emblem Engage. It's up there with you know, a lot of people have really loved Kirby Return to Dreamland, hate the fact that it's $60, but it's getting really good reviews. Uh, Nintendo's off to a really good start this year, Matt, and it's only going to get better because obviously, the next episode, we're going to talk about Metroid Prime, which we have a lot of positive things to say about that, okay. and then. We've obviously got Tears of the Kingdom coming in May, and that's just, you know, that's just the first five months of the year. We've still got seven more months left. Who knows what else is going to come out later this year? It's looking like it's building up to be a really damn good year for Nintendo, Matt. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot disagree at all, especially because we still got Pikmin 4 coming up as well. Yes, and I forgot about Pikmin as well, yeah. And we really don't know oh, what Nintendo's just came out too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is this has got a chance to be one of, you know, we've heard the rumors that, you know, is this, you know, the final year where the Switch is before we see the next step for Nintendo console was? We've heard those rumors. If this is the last year, they're going out with a bang. So I give Nintendo a lot of credit. So that feels like a good place to go ahead and wrap this up, Matt. That is going to be the end of this episode of Submission. You can be sure to follow us on Twitter at SubmissionPod. You can follow us on Facebook as well at Podcast. For just one of the boys, because the other two were too lazy to be on this fucking episode. (laughs) They know who they are. For Matt, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.